0: Welcome to the Whoa Podcast about horses and horsemanship. you found the place where we talk horses. I'm your host, John Hare. And this morning, we have on the phone from New York, Vicki Gorman-Lee, who is a Pasifino owner and has a listener story to tell. Good morning, Vicki. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Are you, are you in New York? Or are you actually in Connecticut? I forget.
1: I am. I am close to the line of Connecticut. I'm in Westchester County in Pound Ridge. So I'm about an hour and 10 minutes train ride to the city.
0: Excellent. And you called me because you had a story about a Pasifino. And I know very little about gated horses, and I thought this would be a good opportunity to hear your story and learn more about that uh, wonderful horse breed that I've seen in TV and at the horse expos and such. So, have you always had uh, Pasifinos?
1: No. As a matter of fact, I've only really had one other horse besides the horse that I have now. And he was a Pasifino. And he, unfortunately, at 26, left us last summer. So, that is why I was shopping for another horse. But I ended up with him by accident. I wasn't shopping for a Pasifino. And that's a whole other story. But I ended up with him by accident and he was great and I loved him, but I really didn't know what I was doing with him. So when I started to shop around again late last year, that's why I started with Passafino.
0: Hmm. Now, when you say you didn't know what you were doing with him, are there special things that you have to know if you're going to own a Pasafino?
1: No, I mean that I always loved horses from the time when I was a small child always, you know, wanted to be a cowgirl from a very young age and didn't live in a family where we, there were four of us, you know, regular middle-class family. It just wasn't, it wasn't an option for me to own a horse or to, to ride with any regularity. So as an adult, I thought, hey, you know, I'm a grown-up now. I can get <laughs> a horse. And so I got the horse and I had him uh, and, and some goats in my backyard in Connecticut and when I say I didn't know what I was doing I mean I didn't know anything about horse ownership or training I just thought you got on and you just rode and I learned that it wasn't that way so I had some you know issues with the horse I had trouble getting a bit in his mouth and and and, you know it was you know just a lot of issues that I just didn't have any help I didn't have the support I needed and then ultimately I moved him to the barn in Danbury Connecticut to Happy Trails where my horse my current horse River is now and they helped me to the extent that I could get the help but then I I got into a career that just was sort of all-consuming and I just didn't have time to ride
0: right right yeah we all have those initial uh, awakenings when we get that horse and we go okay uh, how do I handle this situation or that situation so you had a horse, and you had him for a while, and he passes. Now you're, you need to look for another horse. How do you go about that process?
1: Right, and it, and this all sort of converged on the time where I was leaving the firm I was with to, to go and work in-house at a company that would give me a better life balance. So finally, I was going to have time to ride a horse, but then I had no horse. So... Lucy, who is one of the owners of Happy Trails Farm, I got her to help me. I said, Lucy, I want to shop for a horse, will you help me? And she said, Of course. So we went, we looked at several horses and I couldn't find anything that really worked for me. I mean, I know how to ride the horse that I had, but you know, riding any other horse just wasn't it wasn't as easy as as it was on my on my prior horse that uh-huh. I that I knew pretty well. So You know, we we shopped around, couldn't find a horse that was really the right fit, and then finally ended up at a place about an hour and a half from me called R.Y. Farms. That was a Pasadena farm. That's where I ended up finding my horse.
0: And can I ask you a question about the shopping process? Did you ride a, a lot of horses during that, or did you look at... And then let watch other people ride the, the horse to see how they were doing?
1: Both. I didn't I didn't ride a ton, but I, I wanted to kind of look for a jaded horse, but I wasn't married to that idea. So Lucy and I looked at several horses. She would always ride the horse first. She's very experienced. There was one case where she got on a apostle and she just could tell it was not gonna be a fit for me. So I didn't even go there, I didn't ride the horse. So she right. I really depended on her counsel to to get me through the process. And in fact I almost bought a Peruvian pasta, but but that didn't work out for, for various reasons. You know, that that's where we finally ended up at, at RY.
0: Yeah. It's kinda of like finding a pair of shoes. You know, it's gotta be the right color and the kind of the right fit and it's gotta be a comfortable relationship if, if it's going to last very long.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that you had that remark about the color because my horse River is not the color and the horse that I originally wanted when I went to R.Y.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm happy to tell you about the story of the two horses that I had to choose between. Sure. When I ended up at at R.Y., it was it was kind of at the end of a long day of driving, and it was kind of a whim that we that we called and... And they were available, and, and Lucy and I drove over there. The owner was out of the country, but his trainer, Daniel, was there. And he said he had two horses, a gelding and a mare, and I could try them but for sale. That might be a good fit for you know a rider like myself, somewhat beginner. And so we went there, and my prior horse was a big gelding. And so I wanted a big gelding. Mm-hmm. I wanted somebody that looked like my prior horse. Daniel brought out the little bay gelding, and I say little, because, you know, they're a little bit smaller than, you know, say a quarter horse or a thoroughbred. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this is the cutest thing ever. He's adorable. You know, I love him. You know, I kind of tend to go over the top sometimes initially, just based on how cute a horse is. And so we tacked him up, and Daniel, the trainer, rode him first which I understand is the thing to do, get somebody to ride their horse first. Don't get on until you see them ride the horse. He began walking the horse around the arena, and then he began dating the horse. And when he started dating the horse, I was very intimidated. This horse turned into a machine. He turned into this regal, stately, beautiful thing of beauty, but very intimidating. The dirt clods at the footing were flying he was moving out. He was going fast. You could hear the thunder of his hoofs and he just looked awesome. But I thought, there's no way I can ride this horse.
0: <laughs> was it a little frightening?
1: Absolutely frightening. And, you know, he was a little guy, but he was a lot of horse and he was moving out. And, uh, you know, Lucy and I were looking at each other saying, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> this is this the horse that I could even get on and try. And, and so after he rode around, he invited us to ride and by that time, I was completely intimidated, and I said, listen, I'm sorry I've wasted all your time, but this is going to be too much horse for me. I can't ride this horse. I'm really sorry to have wasted your time. And, you know, he was very gentle and persuaded me. He said, listen, I put tent on this horse. This is a gentle horse. He is nice. I wouldn't put you on a dangerous horse. And he just really sort of probed about what was giving me the, the fear. And, and finally I thought, all right, all right, I'll ride the horse. I'll get on the horse. I just sort of got my courage up <clears throat> got sat on the horse. And the minute that horse started gaining, I'm like, all right, this is my horse. I'm going to get this horse. I love him. This feels great. It's just the smoothest ride ever. I was convinced I was going to get that horse. And then Lucy rode him. She liked him too. She thought it was very smooth. And then he, we unpacked that horse and he said, well, let me let you try the mare. And they brought the mare out, and the mare was gray. And I'm, in my in my head, I'm saying, oh, I should have told them I didn't want a gray horse. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, they're going to get dirty, and, you know, I don't like mares anyway, And which I don't, I never had a mare, so what do I know? But anyway, right. I thought, <laughs> all right, I'll be polite, I'll ride the mare. Loved the mare. So I rode the mare. You know, I loved both horses, but there was just something special about the mare's personality, and her gait was just, it was just this little different rhythm that I liked better than Residante, who was the, the little gelding. And she thought the gelding was a little smoother, but I thought the mare was a little smoother. And so for, you know, a month or so, they let me come over on the weekend and ride both horses and take lessons and go on trail rides with both horses. And, you know, finally I decided, I decided on the mare.
0: Wow. And how old were both of these horses?
1: The gelding is, I think, eight. And River turned 11 in January.
0: And that's pretty generous of them to allow you to to go over there and ride the horses. You went out on trail rides, you said.
1: I went out on trail rides with the trainer and by myself. I mean, and with another, with one of their boarders. who who's the owner, you know, he said, I... You know, I can't have a business if, if people are not happy with what they get. So you take your time, you decide which horse you like the best and that you want to buy. If you don't want to buy either of these horses, we will help you find another horse or we will do whatever we can. It was it was pretty remarkable.
0: Amazing. So you get the River, you decide on the mare, and you take her home.
1: Yes. She has her pre-purchase exam very thorough. The horse is perfect. You know, she's got like one or two little tiny things. There was something that looked like maybe a, something under the cinch area, maybe a, a tick bite or something, but everything else, perfect. He said, this horse is perfect for you. You're going to love her. I mean, it was a really glowing
0: report. Did they do x-rays on as part of the pre-purchase exam?
1: No. He said he frequently does x-rays, but based on what he saw, there was no need to do any extra. He didn't think that, I mean, he could do them, but right. but he said he, you know, he didn't want to just run up my belt to do all of these x-rays, and he didn't think that there was a need. So I did not do x-rays.
0: Right, and sometimes for, I think for a trail horse, which is sounds like what you were going to be using your mare for, it's probably the extra expense on a horse that's obviously sound is, and that and that you've been riding over a long period of time is, is unnecessary so i was just curious about that
1: yeah and i'll say one other thing too there's this kind of computer thing a contraption that the vet had i think he attached it to the horse's head or something and then the horse would go and it was going to record something about the the way the horse goes onto this computer hmm. and you know at the end of the day he said i'm really not getting a reading here." This machine is not made for this horse. The fact that, that she's a gated horse, it didn't measure the same types of things that it would have measured for, you know, a non-gated horse. Right,
0: right. Okay, great. So now you've got River home.
1: Right. So Lucy's husband, Ed, comes out with me to get River on in the middle of December last year. She's a show horse. Mm-hmm. Walks onto the trailer like a pro. We get her home. She had a little trouble backing off the trailer. I think she was used to a different type where she turns around and walks off frontward. So it was a little a little bit of a challenge getting her off. She was a little afraid. And then you know, I rode her for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes just around the property that day just to, and I was so excited and mm-hmm. I wanted to ride her on the property. And then the next day it rained like cats and dogs. I didn't even go out to the barn. And then the next day, which is day two, I go out to ride her and, the Happy Trails Christmas Parade, and she's lame, and significantly lame. <laughs> Day two, and I, I, I look. I don't know a lot about horses, but but I know when a horse is limping significantly, and she was. And my heart just fell. I couldn't believe it. And of course, I called Lucy over. She was nearby. When when you have a horse at a barn that's lame, everybody kind of stands around and chimes in sometimes. I had several people helping me look at her and it was kind of decided that okay, it's the left front. There was a couple of people saying, you know, I'm seeing some something in the rear end too. You know, her her hind end looks a little off as well. You know, she looks very stiff and it was it was devastating.
0: And everybody's a veterinarian yeah. at the barn, too, so they can all they, <laughs> they can all spot lameness in, a, in somebody else's horse.
1: Yeah, and, but you know what? It's, it's a great barn with great borders, and, and the consensus was, you know, we've got to get a vet out here. We've right. got to get a vet out here to look at this horse. And so the vet came the next day, the same vet who did the pre-purchase exam. I learned way more than I wanted to know about Diagnostics, And he did the blocking, he did the flexing, he did x-rays, he did ultrasounds, he did, you know, everything. Well, not, a, not an MRI, that was the one thing, obviously, that he couldn't do. But he could find nothing. I mean, obviously, he, he had the, we had the lameness issue, but he couldn't identify the reason for the lameness issue. So, you know, we were going to just let her rest a couple of days and see what happened.
0: And did he agree that it was in the left front?
1: He did but he also thought that there might have been something going on in the hind end but you know we did all of the blocking which she took a long time to block you know she just wasn't blocking as quickly as as others and so there was a lot of waiting going on but and by the way she's the sweetest horse ever so she was the best patient you know the, the, the horse is just Absolutely sweet and very well behaved, and we couldn't figure it out. He wasn't sure exactly what was going on, so so we we waited, and 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 that began a few months. I guess it was it was really about three and a half months before I could really start to ride her on the trail, oh, or you know, starting slowly and then and then building up. But you know, I ended up having a second opinion. We ended up with you know all kinds of different theories. It turned out that the horse had Lyme disease, mm-hmm. which can result in, you know, shifting types of lameness issues and also behavioral issues. You know, she began getting a little spooky and, and she's not a spooky horse. The The Lyme was not responsible for the lameness. About a month or so after she went lame, this calcification lump revealed itself and it was determined that she had a, a split bone Injury—it's on the outside of her left leg, you know, towards the bottom. It, it was not a suspensory issue, which is what we were fearing. And, and and let me just back up and say, throughout this time in speaking with Rowie, the the seller, he was telling me from day one, "Listen, bring her back. I'll take her back. I'm happy to take her back. Uh, you can get Resonante, or you can wait, and you know." Whatever you want to do, let us know, and I'll take her back. So I had to really grapple with, do I really want to wait this thing out and try to figure out what's wrong with this horse, or I could return her today and be riding the building the next day.
0: Right. You So you're bombarded with all these different decisions that you need to make.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, and also, in the meantime, you know, once we realized it was a splint issue, the... You know, the approach was poultice, ice, banamine, and rest. I thank the Lord for Lucy, who handled all of that care for me, because I, I can't just go out there every day. But that was the approach that was finally decided on by the horse, and it, and it ended up working. But, but during that time, the seller said, well, while you can't ride your horse, you come out and ride my horse. So he let me come out and ride the gelding. And, and get lessons on on the gelding. So, you know, I got more and more attached to the little gelding, too, which I would love to bring him home if I could. <laughs> so, it, you know, I ended up, you know, River and I now are, you know, we're tearing up the trails. She's great, but, but it, was, it was a long three and a half months. It doesn't sound long, saying it out loud, but it seems like forever.
0: And it's a long time because it's a horse that you just got. It's almost like buying a car and then having to take it into the shop and not being able to use it. And you're going, I love this car. And how come it won't go?
1: Exactly. And I couldn't I couldn't say, oh, the seller is pulling a fast one. You know, he sold me this bum horse because he kept telling me, bring her back.
0: Right. You know. So just to make sure that I have the story right, was it that calcification that caused the lameness that just popped up, or were there two separate issues going on?
1: Well, the calcification, which I guess is the splint bone injury, apparently these sort of knots that sort of pop up can take a while and don't always immediately reveal themselves. So that was the main issue. But she also had a pretty high level of Lyme, which was causing some unsteadiness in her hind end and causing her to be a little bit flighty and sort of have a little bit of a different personality than the one that, that I now have and that I observed, you know, when I was shopping. So it was really two things, two things going on. The lime was throwing us off, but it was really the splint bone that was causing
0: Oh, For our listeners, Lyme disease is a tick-borne disease, and I think it causes—I may be wrong here—but I think it causes neurological problems, and it's it's quite a problem on the east coast of the United States.
1: That's right, and Lyme can present in many different forms, and it's famous up here in this area. Horses get Lyme, horses and dogs, and people get Lyme all the time. And there's a town called Lyme, Connecticut, which is, <laughs> you know, where this originated. Oh, so, so this is, this is not an unusual, it's, it's kind of like our go-to when we see lameness issues that can't really be explained. And when I learned that she did have Lyme, I was hoping that was the cause of, of this, but, but really it, it wasn't the cause of the name. It was just making it more tough. It was just making it more of a mystery.
0: So when you go out trail riding and you're out in the forest, what do you do to help prevent the ticks from attacking your horse?
1: I train her with a fly spray. I have no idea, frankly, whether that has any effect on whether she gets bitten by a tick or not. But, you know, she's a gray horse, so I can see tick bites. I can see them. Mm -hmm. I can see the ticks, which I probably wouldn't have been able to see if I'd gotten... Resonante, the Dark Bay. Right. But, you know, I've found maybe one, maybe two on her since I've had her. And, you know, they're in the more cool fall weather when it starts getting a little bit chilly. It's not so hot. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. That's when you really need to watch for them. You know, people and, you know, we check our dogs and and, uh, and horses. But, but I, I'm not sure if there's something, maybe there is, that would prevent a tick from either attaching itself or, or biting I more or less look for them when I'm grooming her. Right.
0: As right. opposed
1: to trying to keep them off.
0: Uh, you know, I kind of had this picture in my mind. I My dog's got ticks. I, I took them out to the country and we went through some brush and they ended up with ticks all over them. So I, I had that picture in my mind of the horse, but it doesn't sound like it's that dramatic of a problem.
1: It's not dramatic. There, again, there are times of the year when you really need to right. uh, look out for them. And I'm more careful... Or at least I will be in, in those times of the year when it starts to get a little warm and then when it starts to get a little cool. I don't see them a lot. But, but again, it, she's with her coloring, I'll, I'll be able to hopefully find them uh, when, when they happen, when they're only when they attached.
0: Through all this process, what do you think was the most difficult decision that you had to make?
1: It was whether to return the horse you know whether to return her cut my losses exchange her for Resonante or stick it out and potentially have a horse that was not going to be able to to be ridden or or not ridden in the way that that I wanted to ride her and i mean you know john i kind of methodical about what i do i put together this table in word and i listed out all of the scenarios think, okay, can I get two horses? You know, can I keep her and bring the gelding over and hopefully she's going to recover or, you know, I don't want to force her into a type of career that is not going to be right for her. So maybe I can board her back at the cellars and, you know, breed her. And I went through all these potential scenarios trying to figure out how do I keep this horse, but not do something with her that she's not designed to do but i didn't have to go down that road because she recovered and she's great
0: well, that's awesome that's a great story i love that and so today you're do you do mostly trail riding or do you have plans to show her since she was a show horse
1: i'm thinking about it Rowie had has told me and he i think he's a, a member of the one of the the fino horse association boards and he's involved in you know shows. He does a lot of showing. He's got a show coming up very soon. I think it's a world championship show, but but he said he would prepare me for shows. I can bring River back out to the barn, board her up for a couple of weeks, but Daniel, the trainer, give her a little tune-up, and they, they will help me. They will trailer her for me to wherever, and I just go along with them, and I can show her virtual shows. He invited me to come to his Farm and show the show the you know Resonante the gelding in a virtual show. For me, you know, I've only really been riding her for a few months. Right. I kind of want to. I think I want to just sort of lay low, continue to get to know her on the trails. And I think next year we to go down that road. But but we're still getting to know each other on the trails. We're we're doing the um, we're doing the Thursday night clinics at the barn, learning about obstacles and. You know, learning different things and and so I'm still I'm still in the honeymoon phase of of getting to
0: know this horse on the trail. That sounds like a good strategy. And out of curiosity, uh pasifino show, what kind of classes do they have? What are they looking for? Is it pretty much the same as a regular horse show and raining and pleasure uh, trail classes? So
1: so I am. Not the person to that knows about this. Uh, if you if you ever want to, I'm sure Roe would, would speak to you. But I understand that they have, and, and I've I've looked at some of these, uh, you know, recordings on on YouTube. But they have, uh, they have what's called a fino class, which the fino is one of the gates. It's a gate that's very you don't cover a lot of ground very fast, but the horse's feet are moving very fast. So that's like a slower moving gate, but a faster, you know, more action, faster action. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, you know, they do different, they do the different Pasofino gates, the Corto and the Largo. But they also do things like Western Pleasure and and other, other types of classes. I'm still learning about the, you know, the different things that they do at the shows. I'm just not... I'm not very knowledgeable
0: on that I think it's a great story and I really appreciate you taking the time out to email me and tell me that you'd love to talk about your the decisions that you had to make the very tough decisions and I'm really happy that you and River got to stay together and and build a relationship me too
1: and I you know she's she's my favorite subject I just love to tell about her she's so much fun to ride she's such a sweet girl and she is just an absolute delight, and, and I'm so glad that I stuck with her and that I had the support from Happy Trails and from The seller, and from my husband to get, <laughs> to get through all of yeah, that.
0: That's great. Well, that's cool. Well, thanks, thanks again for emailing me. I hope you had fun.
1: I did, and, and I just want to thank you for your podcast. I came upon it, and I just started binge listening, and I've learned a lot from your podcast from the different guests. And I, I really enjoyed when your wife would join you on the podcast, Renee. I, I always enjoyed her insights. And I just hope you keep, you keep doing the podcast.
0: Okay. It's awesome that River recovered and Vicky and her mare now get to develop their relationship. I love that I can hear the passion in Vicki's voice about the breed. And I wanted to know a little bit more about Pasafinos. Roey Vallos of R.Y. Farm specializes in Pasifinos and has loads of information on his website and social media. I caught up with Roey by phone to ask him more about the breed. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. No,
2: no problem. I always make time for horse talk.
0: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I got the story from Vicki about her horse, River, and... I'm a I'm a quarter horse guy, and she's talking Pasifinos, and I don't know much about gated horses and Pasifinos in particular, so I thought I'd talk to you. She said you were an excellent source of information.
2: Thank you. Sure.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about the breed?
2: The original gated horses actually came over with Christopher Columbus way back when. He brought two types of horses, gated and the lateral horse. You know, the story goes is that, like, the reason... The gated horses took off in South America because there was predominantly farmers down there, and they were looking for an easy horse to ride the crop fields and the lines and go up and down the fields and check their crop. And in America, they just didn't take off because they just weren't quick enough with uh, battling against the Indians. So generally, likewise, they never you know got that popular here from the get-go. Uh-huh. But I would say, like in the last 60, 70 years. When they started coming over from Colombia and Puerto Rico, they started to, to get some momentum, predominantly in the southern states. Like, Florida's got the largest population of, of Pasofinos because it is primarily, like, a Latin breed. A lot mm-hmm. of uh, Latin people are involved, and so there it comes from there. I mean, in Colombia, Pasofinos are, are, like, a national thing, you know, like soccer. So the history of it is that they kind of came up through... Colombia, Puerto Rico, and all these gated horses started coming over. There you know, there are other gated horses like the Tennessee or the Signal, all that. Right. But These are the more refined. They're footful. They're gated, a lot more refined, a lot quicker. And they're much hardier horses. They're very, very hardy, very high-spirited horses, something that we call in our breed a uh, brio uh-huh. in Spanish, which means spirit. Our horses are often confused for being hot horses but it's not necessarily the hotness. It's just high spirit, willing willing to please, hardworking. The Paso Fino, I see it as as an everybody horse. It's a horse for all ages. We've got kids as young as six and seven competing on them, and we've got seniors as old as 75 and 80 competing on them. Wow. It's a super comfortable horse. It's a horse that you don't need to necessarily be an athlete to ride. So it really kind of opens it up to everybody. No posting, you know, you know none of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really, really easy. They do cow cutting like quarters do. And they, you know, I mean, they're great with obstacles and they're, they're amazing trail horses. Uh, I think that the, the, those are important points.
0: And are there different types of Pasifinos?
2: With respect to breeding, there are Colombian Pasos. There's, there's uh, Puerto Rican Pasos, which are more, more similar to each other. There's the Peruvian Paso that's not that popular. I've never even ridden one.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then within our breed, you have different modalities. So we we generally have three three different modalities, which is a pleasure, a performance, and a fino. The pleasure is a horse that, you know, it's got a nice gait, and it, it can do a little bit of everything where it can have a short footfall, a more extended footfall, easy to ride, more of like a trail, pleasure, enjoy kind of horse. Mm-hmm. The performance horse is more of like a serious athlete, like a, the distance guy, you know, he can stomp, he stomps the ground harder, extends more, a lot more animated in the in the gait, you know, a lot more dynamic in the gait and stretching out and moving quickly and stepping hard. And then you have the fino, which comes from the name of the breed, paso fino, which means fine walk. So fino means fine and the Fino horses are the ones with a very quick, but very short footfall. You know, mm. they're, too, they're too refined to be pleasure horses. Right. They're, and their extension isn't large enough for a performance horse that, you know, you could like pound a mountain and go up a mountain with it.
0: Right.
2: They're more of like the, the very fine, very refined, like a very classy, very short footfall that moves very little, but looks like it's moving really fast. So those are generally the three types.
0: Is the gated part of the horse, is that bred into them? Is it like a border collie who kind of naturally knows how to herd cattle and sheep?
2: Very good question. Very good question. The the pelvic angle, the angle of the pelvis in a Paso Pino is generally like, you know, anywhere from 21 to 23 degrees. A quarter horse, all those other horses... The angle of the pelvis is a lot more open. It's like 27, 28, 29 degrees. So that in itself, with the Paso Fino, with it being so closed, they don't have the full range of extension. So their legs, mm. their feet, their hip, everything moves more like a piston, of up and down. Mm. Where the lateral horses, because the they have that wider, they have that large, larger pelvic angle, has the ability to extend backward and extend forward, like we see, like race horses and quarter horses do, and all that. Oh, so wow. I mean. So it actually starts with the physical build of the horse. Uh, we get a lot of bad comments on Facebook and social media. Oh, you're forcing that horse. Oh, this, this and that. But I invite you to go on my Facebook. I've got a lot of Colts and Phillies there that are four days, one month and two months old. Uh-huh. And, and you can could, you could see from the first week, you can see like from the minute they're running around, you can see the gate. Yeah. So it's something totally natural. And again, like any horse, some of them are more athletes. Right. Some of them are more just lazy trail trail horses. But the ones that are, you know, really good do it very, very naturally. You know, I have a mare that's super fino, like very, very refined. And I just sent her to Ocala to get bred. I didn't have her for four months. I put the saddle on her, automatic. Like nothing changed. Like I rode her yesterday. Awesome. You know? So it also has to do with the mind. And we look to breed very rideable horses, horses with good minds that that you want to be able to push. You know, I want to be able to get on the horse, and I'm not necessarily trying to push him, but I don't want that horse that's so sensitive that one little push, one little mistake, and now I've got an explosion on my hands. We want really rideable horses. So we try to breed good minds with good minds. There are, like any breed, we have horses in our breed that are known for producing a little, hot, a, a little craziness, a little speed that you can't control. Some horses are ringed. There's a stallion in our breed, and I'm not going to mention his name, but everybody knows that that horse, any of his offspring, after a couple of months in the horse show, in the ring, they're unridable. They, 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 they go ring-sour. So they all have their individual characteristics within the bloodline. Right. And, you know, you got to pick the right mares, the right stallions, and, and, and really just try to breed some really good good minds, good, good minds, horses that you could work and are willing to move forward.
0: And then you mentioned the performance and uh, the horse shows that, that you do. What events do the Pasafinos compete in?
2: So we have the PFHA, which is a Pasofino Horse Association. We're split up into regions, and then we have the National Association. We have many, there's like a show almost every month on a regional level. Then there are like maybe two or three larger shows throughout the year Uh and then we have our national show which is, and then we have our national competition every year which comes up now in uh, starts this year in September like September 19 or something I'll be there in Ocala
0: and then do you do like trail classes and raining classes or
2: there's a class for almost everybody so we have the basic classes which which go for like they look for rail work they look for reverses turning around backing up footfall cadence energy level of the horse presentation of the horse confirmation of the horse Uh and then we extend out the trail obstacle costume you know youth classes owner trained classes professionally trained classes amateur classes so we really i mean we really kind of opened it up where somebody could find somewhere that they can fit awesome if you go on youtube and just type, you know, Pasafino horse show or association. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll see lots of videos and lots of stuff that come up.
0: Yeah, I've seen the long the long ramps that have the Paso just doing their gait across this wooden board.
2: Yeah, so typically that's like the most exci- that's the most exciting part of the competition. So you'll get you'll get a lot of videos of just the board. Mm-hmm. The board is like ten or twenty percent of the of the grade. So, like, you know, behavior, presentation, rail work, reverses, stopping, going transitions are extremely important in our breed. How you transition from speed to speed to stop to go to turning. It's pretty comprehensive.
0: So you're the owner of RY Farms in Warwick, New York. The podcast is heard around the country. If someone wants to find out more about Pasafinos and maybe even interested in riding one, If they're on the East Coast, they can come see you. But as far as if someone who might be interested in looking at a gated horse, are there precautions that they should take or what they should look for in a Passafino?
2: Yeah, I I would recommend that if someone is really like a pleasure rider and really wants to enjoy trail riding, Mm -hmm. then depending on how much of a challenge they want, I would go anywhere from a pleasure to a performance horse. Okay. I mean, the difference between that is like, The pleasure horse is like, will be like a Harley Davidson with like a 600cc motor. And the performance horse is going to be a Harley Davidson with a 1000cc motor. And that's, you know, that's basically the difference. You're going to get like a little bit more power, a little bit more extension, a little bit more speed. You want a horse, a pleasure horse that, you know, you could ride on a loose rein, that walks on a loose rein, that's easy to handle. You know what I mean?
0: Right. So it's pretty much the same as you would any other type of mount that you're looking any at. Any other. Any mm-hmm. other.
2: And in our breed, there are a lot of show horses that hit that age of 8, 9 where they're not showing anymore. Those pleasure horses that finish showing at 8, nine, ten, or maybe the owners moved on to something else because they wanted something, you know, more of a challenge. And those are great horses to buy because they've been trailered all over the country. They've been desensitized. They've been ridden everywhere in any kind of environment, you know, and those are great horses to buy.
0: Wow. And then you mentioned price. What is the price range? Horses are are kind of going up in value the last couple of years. I don't know if that's from COVID or not. Correct.
2: Yeah. Uh, What I found is that people have been moving towards the recreational time. People have been investing in themselves Mm -hmm. and, but that that produced was before, you know, people that were getting involved were really trying to look to show. So the the show horse had a good market. But now, the people that just want to enjoy in their backyard or go out for a trail ride, and to me, always, like, a, a good trail horse to me was always very valuable because you can't pay somebody to train a horse that's got that experience. Right. I would say... If you, want to, if you want to get something really good, you're looking at eight to ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. You could definitely find something, you could definitely find horses that are four to six, but you're gonna to have to probably spend some time and invest in, in training and, and get some more time on that horse, right? But for ten thousand dollars, eight, nine, ten thousand, you're getting a super horse.
0: Awesome, that sounds good. I really appreciate you taking the time to tell me a little bit more about the Pasafinos
2: time and if you're ever in warwick or if you're ever in the new york area come and visit we're like about 45 minutes from the tappan Zee bridge and check out my videos if you go on my facebook or you go on my youtube you'll see some nice videos awesome do Ry farms youtube and you'll see what we're all about
0: thanks Roy. all right
2: thank you for calling
0: that will do it for this episode thanks to vicky gormanly for reaching out to tell her story of river Vicky wanted me to let everyone know a couple of things. First, that she never did get a definitive diagnosis on her horse. Was it lime? Did she bruise herself on the trailer ride or in the stall during the heavy rain? She'll likely never know. Vicki had a good support team at her barn, Happy Trail Farms, to talk over her options. She had an excellent relationship with her seller and she had the patience to wait and see what would happen with the horse she fell in love with. That's what makes this a wonderful shared experience for all of us. Thanks also to Roy Vallos of RY Farms. It was great to learn about Pasafinos and what makes them such wonderful horses. If you're considering a Pasofino, check out RY Farms website and on YouTube and Facebook. They are a great resource. To see the show notes with links and photos, go to woepodcast.com. If you'd like to share a story or experience about your horse or suggest a guest, I'd love to hear it. Send an email to john at woepodcast.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name Woe podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast with your friends and riding buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye bye, everybody.